be safe. I'm Casey Lanko. And I'm Tim Johansson. And welcome to Psychology at Work. People need to be open and embrace their vulnerability. This is only possible in a safe environment, not necessarily comfortable, which the facilitator has most of the responsibility for creating. As facilitators, we must turn our judgments into evaluations. Judgments are made from a place of fear. Evaluations are made from a place of compassion. We must always create a context that allows for another's vulnerability. A deeper way. Foundational Foundational tenet tenet number one. Mm. So as we talked about last episode, um, season five, we're focusing on our foundational tenets. Today, we're going to start our discussion of the first tenet, number one be safe. So we're going to kind of break down, not necessarily word by word. We don't have enough time for that probably, (laughs) but at least sentence by sentence. So be safe is sort of the overarching uh, message, if you will, or or Mm -hmm. directive or takeaway. And, you know, as we talked about in the, in the first episode of the season, these tenants written with sort of our facilitators, our certified facilitators in mind. But these principles really apply to any person in any relationship, including with ourself. Right. Um, so I think as kind of a, a way for people to be thinking about this, when we use the word facilitator in those, right, it's because it's written to our facilitators, um, but that can be replaced with people, right? Yeah. Um, I think, too, any role yeah. we find ourselves in, particularly where we might have more of the power. Yeah. So leaders, supervisors. Right. Parents, parents teachers. Police. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's dive in. First sentence here, people need to be open and embrace their vulnerability. People need to be open and embrace their vulnerability. Do you know what the first thing that comes up sometimes when I read that, or if I could imagine? Why? (laughs) Because it's a directive, right? People need to be open and embrace their vulnerability. Yeah, the contrarian in me goes, no, they don't. Right, exactly. <laughs> or to think of like, well, when might they not need to or whatever? Yeah, right, but, right. But we both would say that's true, though, that they need to be open and embrace their vulnerability. Well, and I think particularly in the context of if if the fo- if the goal is to grow, to develop, mm. to heal to change whatever verb you want to put on it, then yes. So you're telling me if I don't want to grow, there you go, change, develop, 
when I let you said heal, mm-hmm. then I don't need to. That's right. Hmm. That's right. That's the that's the the caveat mm-hmm. is if if there's no interest in doing those things, then yes, then we don't need to be open. And and the reason is there's well, let's put it this way. What what would be the opposite of vulnerability? And and I'm feeling compelled. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll ask you to pull yeah. me in here. I, I don't want to necessarily go off on a tangent about all of the misconceptions of what vulnerability is. We've done that in other episodes in previous seasons. But I think a reminder yeah. of what it actually is, how we define it. Mm-hmm. And you define it so well, so I'll let you say it. Well, thank you. And, and certainly I won't take credit for the definition. It's just what it is. It's, it's an emotional moment, right? It's, it's a feeling. Yep. It's, it's, not, it's used so much as an action these days, but I don't think that's very helpful. Because mm-hmm. then we presume, you know, when people say be vulnerable or I'm being vulnerable, to, to mean, you know, well, I'm sharing all of these deep, dark secrets and all that stuff. And, and actually, none of that is usually very helpful. But to recognize that vulnerability is an emotional experience. And it's telling us something mm-hmm. that, okay, maybe I'm a little uncomfortable here. Um, I'm feeling unprotected. Yes. Because in, yes. Order, in order to feel that vulnerability, that means you're not defensive. Right. It's the state. It's the uncomfortable state of being completely free or void of protection. Right. And it fits with open. Right. So like open and free of protection. Which brings us to the opposite of, which is protected. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, if 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 I'm protected, and we yeah. talk about this with mindset, yep. you know, which dog are you feeding? The twisted tail of what's that episode? Two forces. Two forces. Thank you. Right. Listen to those for more on mindset and this idea of connection versus protection. But when we're in protection, our walls are up. Nothing's coming in. Nothing's coming mm-hmm. out. And you you always ask the question, what's the purpose? Right. Well, in, in moments of that, the singular purpose is to protect myself. And yes, there's moments when we need to do that. Those are moments when we aren't safe. Yeah. Right. So here's how these tenants work. That opening statement is to the person, the facilitator, the person in power, what be safe. And then that bold underlined part that very next sentence explains starts to explain why so why do i need to be safe as the parent the leader the facilitator the coach the teacher well because you need to be safe because they need to be open and embracing of their vulnerable state and without me being safe without the leader being safe without the facilitator being safe, they can't be right without potential risk of threat. Right. right? Cause we, we, 
we put the walls up, we put the defenses up, we feel that urge to protect ourselves when we perceive a threat to our identity. Mm-hmm. Well, if the, if the person with more power than me feels like that's what they're doing, yeah, intentionally or unintentionally, it doesn't actually really matter. I, in many ways, um, my body is telling me I don't have a choice but to put my walls up. Right. In that often isn't as obvious either. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a really subtle moment often when we close up and aren't vulnerable. And yeah. We can learn to do that in almost imperceptible ways at times. And other times obvious ways. Yeah. We know the obvious ones. And I, I think one of the things that I think is so helpful to remember and constantly remind ourselves is the people around us, mm. if they're paying attention, if you know, if they're <laughs> attuned and interested, they're going to know that we're in protection because mm-hmm. they can feel it. Yep. And we might be able to convince ourselves that, well, no one can tell because I'm saying all the right things, but fortunately or unfortunately, everyone can tell. And so that this idea of this first sentence, people need to be open and embrace their vulnerability, really, because if we don't, we're not going to change. Mm-hmm. That, that's just that's just how it is. And and some of the forthcoming tenants will talk more about some of the mechanisms that are that are at work there. Yeah. Um, but the next sentence then reinforces sort of where we start from. Yeah which is, this is only possible in a safe environment, mm. not necessarily comfortable, right. which the facilitator, leader, parent, person with the most power has most of the responsibility for creating. So that, that little piece there about this is only possible in a safe environment, not necessarily comfortable. Yeah. That that not necessarily comfortable part. This right. is a huge teaser. We're not going to talk too much about that today. We're going to talk about that in four episodes, I think. Yep. Four? Number four, right? A few more. Later on. Maybe three. <laughs> anyway, it's coming. What I do think, in, in as we have explained in the these go in order. Mm-hmm. And so we're laying out here almost immediately this this tension that we experience on our own, which is this discerning, is this safe or is this uncomfortable? Is this safe or is this uncomfortable? And it's just happening back and forth. And it's there from the beginning. It's there from the beginning. And we'll explain later how to, what's going on and and how to know. Yeah. How to I know. think, and I think, and I think we can say because it's it's relevant to this first one. One of the ways that, at, at a high level at least, distinguishing the difference between safety and comfort, yeah, is safety. Yep. really goes to the idea of who I am. Yep. gets to be here, mm. and my truth gets to be here. Yeah, 
And if that's not true, then it's actually not safe. Yep. Comfort, discomfort, uncomfortable. That's more about kind of the decisions I'm making, you know, uh, how I'm choosing to show up, the, the behaviors, th- things that we can actually change. Yeah. Challenging <laughs> my frame. Yeah. Of how I am looking at people, yes. right? Challenging my frame of how I see the world. Challenge, looking at that frame and, and wondering, is it useful? Is it helpful? Is it, right? That's uncomfortable. Yep. And that's, well, teaser, that's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I but, think the word in this sentence to me that sticks out a lot is the word most. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Same leader, one. the parent, the teacher, the coach, the facilitator has most of the responsibility for creating the safe space, the safe environment. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's, a, and I don't want to get too far on a tangent, but there's sort of this really popular, most cutting edge, you know, we're going to evolve our safe space into a brave space. Yeah. And go in. While I appreciate the sentiment, what we've done with that kind of nice semi rhyme <laughs> is, is actually change. We've shifted the fundamental mechanism because safe is a state of, allowed to be right. Mm-hmm. So I need to be safe in order for whatever my truth is to be present. And it's a, it's a state of permission, mm-hmm. right? Unequivocal permission. That's what safe means. Brave is an emotional state that may or may not be the emotion that's fitting or most true for me right now. Right. I can be safe to feel afraid. I can be safe to feel empowered. I can be safe to feel brave. I can be safe to feel curious or right. Safety is about a frame. Brave is one possible emotion. So I I don't mind where it's going with it, but I think it shifts the meaning to something a little bit more thin and perhaps even something that becomes unintentionally safe because what if I'm not feeling very brave right now? Well, and I, are you I, telling me I have to? I pr- I probably have more problems with it than you do. Even it reminds me of an episode in which we actually talked about the difference between bravery and courage. Yeah, and it it is absolutely up to the people with the most power in the room to make it so you don't have to be brave to be real. Yeah. I mean, the notion that you have to be brave to go Mm. to work and contribute. Seriously? Like, (laughs) because bravery is, is, is action in the face of a threat. Right. And safety is saying there's no threats here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed, we digress, but but it gets to the, the the really important understanding of this idea of safety, and it's creating a frame, 
Mm -hmm. a framework, a space here. And who is making the frame? It's the person who has the power to make the frame. Well, I think this principle, I mean, in many ways, this is, I suppose, central to the idea of psychological safety. When we wrote The Tenants, most of our thinking on it came from our training in counseling Mm -hmm. and clinical psychology. And what we know in, in terms of what's essential in order for people to grow and heal and change and do all those things is the therapist needs to provide that space, Mm -hmm. that sort of sacred space, if you will, that frame in which the, the client, the person feels like they can bring anything into this room and access things that they haven't been able to. Yes. That's how growth happens. You you have to go there. And the single most important thing I can do as the person trying to be helpful is do everything I can to make sure they have the felt experience that it's safe to go anywhere. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge you for anything that you put on the table. Right. I'm going to be curious as all heck, which again, that's another tenant. And I might encourage you to think about things in different ways. But when I do that, you're going to know that I'm doing that mm-hmm. because I know that you're worthy of love and belonging. Yeah. I was kind of jumping ahead there, wasn't I? It's a good no. segue into the next sentence. <laughs> well, I yeah, because I I love how this ended up in final form because it gives us what to do, how to be, then kind of why it's important, and it, it's like if we stop there, it's like well, fine. How do I do it? <laughs> well, right. we actually have the answer. Of how how do I create the safe environment? Mm-hmm. How do I create it? And it's one thing. It's the four-letter F word. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I think this, these next few sentences speak so much to how everyone, doesn't matter who you are or how much power you have, in order to be at our best and to be most helpful, we all got to do our own work. Yeah. So the next sentence here, as facilitators, and again, Use any word you'd like in place of facilitators. We must turn our judgments into evaluations. And this is a concept we've talked about a few times yeah. on here, but re- remind us what that really means. Mm. Well, one thing it means is you don't just stop thinking, mm. <laughs> right? The absence of judgment isn't the, the, the denial of any conscious thought or having any point of view or, you know, having no framework. It's not this anything goes, kind, you know, whatever. But judgments, judgments are assuming a power that we don't have mm. over someone else, which is I get to say. Or trying to or, get it. Or trying to get it. Yeah. Create it. I get to comment on your worthiness as a person or your, that's a judgment. 
the next sentence adds essential context to yeah. this one. So yeah. let me keep going. So we just said, as facilitators, we must turn our judgments into evaluations. And then here we go, kind of as you're starting to get yeah. to, Tim, judgments are made from a place of fear. Hmm. Evaluations are made from a place of compassion. So unpack that. One thing that comes up for me here is, and you mentioned it earlier, if we're not doing our own work, yeah, we're not necessarily even attuned yeah. to, am I coming from a place of fear or am I coming from a place of compassion? We're not in tune with our fear or our compassion, right? <laughs> and so our capacity yeah. to evaluate versus judge is pretty stinking limited. We see fear in it, and it doesn't, it's not always not obvious, right? It, it, we can look calm, we can sound kind, right? And nobody can actually know or tell us I'm coming from a place of fear, compassion. We, we have to know that ourselves. And although and, there's some and, clues. <laughs> and, and like I what I meant with no one can know it, it's, it, we can always say, well, no, I was being compassionate. Sure, you can always sure, say that and know, sure. and it's an unprovable thing. And like what you're getting at though, and we know it. Yeah. <laughs> and we feel it. When you're nasty, that's fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, when, when you're throwing bombs at people. Right. That's fear. I, uh, I think too. When you've decided you know why someone's doing what they're doing. That's right. Yep. I think a, a, a lesser version of this, but still almost more insidious, is reaching a place and speaking that you know better for that person than they do for themselves. Yeah. And if they only did this, if they only, I know better than you do for you. Inherently, that's robbing that person of their truth. It's saying it isn't in you. It's out there. And I have it and you don't. Right. Right. And that's a judgment that that is coming from a place of fear. Because what if they did have it inside of them and they did something different than I wanted them to? So uh, examining, doing our own work, examining where our fears and insecurities come from is, is really the step to starting to get really crystal clear for ourselves. Am I coming from a place of fear or compassion? Absolutely. Well, and, and one of the things that I think about around as, as sitting in the seat quite often of the person in the room with sort of the power who's responsible for creating the safe environment, just as all humans, I'm a human. And so there's times when, you know, they might be saying something or, or doing something that, I get a little hooked by and how I, how I can know if I'm coming from that judgment place or that compassion place is by paying attention to my own affect. If I'm starting to get a little hot, getting a little heated, coming from a place of compassion mm. typically means that I'm grounded in my own truth. Yes. I don't yes. need to be heated about it. 
Right. And the judgment piece, because it's rooted in fear. Right. That's that's a that's a bigger emotional experience. Yeah. So here's the definition of compassion. And it's to be with another in their difficulty or pain. Mm-hmm. To be with another in their difficulty, pain, struggle. You can't be with in judgment. We can't. Right. Right. <laughs> that's inherently separating. Yep. That's erasing, mm-hmm. separating. Yep. And I think I love what you said just there. We can't be with someone else if we can't be with ourselves. So if I can't be with my truth and I'm up the mic and I'm well, then, then it'll ruin the recording. <laughs> That's true. But will you say it again? We can't be with another. If we can't be with ourselves. Oh my gosh. We just can't. And that doesn't make us bad. No. But that's part of this human thing. And so the parts of me that I'm not okay with or that I'm insecure about, if I don't want to be with those things, I can't be with other people in in their things. So in order to be safe, we have to do our own work. Yeah. Here's a quote from the Dalai Lama on this. Okay. I'm listening. If you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy... Practice compassion. What I get from that quote is the mechanisms to fulfillment are the same. Self-fulfillment, helping others gain fulfillment. And I'm exchanging that. I'm exchanging fulfillment for happy because that's, I think, what he was really more using. It's, it's one and the same. We can't be with someone if we're not able to be with ourselves. Yeah. And well, it's that whole idea in a sense of, uh, you know, we can only take other people to places we're willing to go ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, it, where I'm kind of getting hung up a little bit, I'm really struck right now because I think for so many people, we assume, and it's kind of this thing that's out there, that it's easier to have compassion for others than it is for ourselves. And in fact, there's kind of this common technique that that's used a lot sort of in the helping professions, which is, you know, when you're really being hard on yourself to say, well, what would you say to a friend mm-hmm. in this sort of similar situation? <sighs> but I'm, I'm sitting with, is there truth in that? Mm. Well, I think... I think compassion is is more of a emotional neutral in in the sense of kindness is different. Kindness is different and we're in if we're not being kind I suppose in the same way we're not being compassionate either. But I think of an unwillingness to be with this part of me well I can't be with someone else then. And I think we don't we don't have societal notions that really get to this very well because we we misconstrue it 
often if we see someone being overly harsh on themselves, right, we say, would you say that to a friend? And, you know, of course I wouldn't, you know, and then they feel guilty for saying that to themselves, right? But I actually, I think I just kind of, I I got to it. Mm. I was just (laughs) filibustering until you did. Well, it's, it's actually not what anyone's after. No one wants advice. Right. No one, no one wants right. to actually be told what to do. No. No one's really looking for sort of cliche phrases of encouragement or and they want they, to be seen. seen. Yes. And if they are looking for advice, and if they are looking for a rule, they don't want to be seen. Right, right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And, and so they don't the idea own their truth. And so the They're idea with of truly themselves. being with right. is very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's super Oh, good. Okay. It's scary in a way yeah. to have that level of being with because they might leave. Well, and I think I had a I had a profound weekend, uh, not just because <laughs> I was in my second shot haze. Mm. Uh, maybe that contributed to it, but it was a profound moment of realizing yet again how much actually we don't know ourselves, mm. Mm. and. Just because I had kind of connected something for myself that it's one of those moments like when you realize it, it's so freaking obvious. It's like, well, how (laughs) have I never connected all of that? But yet it was clearly so far away from my awareness. And, And I'm connecting this to this idea of being with. I think for many people, I'm going to include ourselves in that. On the surface, mm. when we think of being with ourself, you yeah. think, well, of course I can do that. Yeah. But can you? <laughs> and can you sustain it? Because I think if we really think about that and we really are truly with ourselves, there's going to be things that are scary. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be things that we don't want to touch. Mm-hmm. There's going to be things that it's just a lot easier, comfortable, if you will, yeah. to not. And we might not have this conscious awareness of, right. I'm actually making a choice to not be with myself right now. Right. But that's actually what we're doing. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like this, you know, dissociative state, but, you know, I'm elsewhere. Oh, Yes. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of level three, others awareness. So you're referring to the situational Our, identity model of a deeper yes, way. You. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we have four levels, actually level zero. So there's five, but, and they get deeper. And as we get to level three, we have self-awareness, others awareness, intentionality. And level three Others' awareness, right, is actually this idea of valuing different, valuing something different. Mm-hmm. 
if I don't want to be different, if yeah. I don't want to be different, I make myself the same, right? Often you'll hear this, yep, yep, but yep, yep. putting on a mask, whatever, right? Yep. But if I don't want to be different, I make myself the same. Mm-hmm. People can't appreciate my difference. Mm-hmm. They can't hit me at level three, be with me there, because I'm not with me there. Mm-hmm. And we learn, you know, other people who aren't willing to go to level three on their own. Well, they don't, they don't appreciate the difference. They don't value that, that this is different, Mm -hmm. right? And whatever way it is, but well, we learn then, okay, the things that make me different aren't safe to be here because they don't want them here. Right. And, but I think what the impact it has then is it puts us out of, connection with ourself at that level Mm -hmm. that's just a human process Mm -hmm. and i think it speaks ultimately to how interrelated we are absolutely and i think the kind of going back to the idea of here of be safe in tenant number one the intentionality that it requires right of course, it's all, like everything, it's a muscle that you build. And, and, and the more that you mm. practice it and do it and know it and know what it feels like and all those things, it, the more it gets in your body and you can go there more regularly. That's part of our training as psychologists. Mm-hmm. And I guess what's just really coming up for me in a very profound way right now is it, it really does require intentionality and as soon as we're on autopilot oh yeah we're probably actually not safe and that's not to say that we're like intentionally harmful or anything like that but it's just not quite the same yeah because when someone does need to or already is in a in a experiencing a a profound degree of vulnerability Mm -hmm. they're probably actually then going to be hyper attuned yeah uh, aware of their environment Mm. and your facial expressions your body movement all of that stuff could flip them right out of that Safe that openness and and back into okay, this isn't yeah. safe. I'm going to be done now. Here's what's coming up for me, and you talk about this so well. You talk about the truth and your truth, and the truth is is un, unequivocal facts. Yep. <laughs> the sun rises. Yep. In the east. Did I get that? I think I got that right. That's right. The sun rises in the east. That's we don't unequivocal. We see it here in Minnesota, but it right. does happen. But like we know that happens, right. and we can get into sidebars around gaslighting and all this, where that yeah. gets screwed around with. We have that. We have facts. We have unequivocal truths. We also have your truth, which is, as you so wonderfully say, what's your experience of that sun rising? Right. 
and how I'm connecting it here around what you just said about how stinking important it is that we, especially when we have power, but all of us to be intentional about creating safety. I might, if I'm on autopilot, I might assume Mm. that everybody around me loves a beautiful sunrise (laughs) and that they're making the same meaning out of that sunrise. Yes. Right. And so when I'm on autopilot, I'm safe, safe, quote, quote, right? Around all those people who are a lot like me. Yes. And I'm going to say something and I have the power. So I say, hey, let's all plan a work retreat to go watch a sunrise. (laughs) And then when we're there, all I'm doing is monologuing about how beautiful the sunrise is. Isn't that right, (laughs) old buddy? (laughs) Right. And, and what happens is in that autopilot, I can turn into a steamroller sometimes, mm-hmm. right? And just go. And how this plays out is for the people who have a different memory and different meaning, particularly right. painful or right. whatever around sunrise, if they don't have the, the frame the explicit frame, yeah. the patient frame, the quiet frame that says inviting you, what's your experience of the sunrise? Right. Right. And that takes our own intentionality to be curious and wonder, especially about those points of view or perspectives that are different. An autopilot just makes all the different not allowed to be. So I, I think your point though about autopilot's so helpful because you see it. That's how we get to these homogenous groups. Yeah. Well, and I think I think and it even gives a nod of of compassion to say, listen, we aren't most often intentionally trying to offend or hurt or harm. But notice what I did there. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. We aren't being intentional. <laughs> because most often we're not intentionally creating safety. Right. We're not intentionally creating difference of points of view. We're not intentionally cultivating new ideas. Mm-hmm. And we can get to why. There's multiple reasons. The last sentence mm. of this tenant is just the reinforcing to say, we, as in people with more power in a specific situation, whatever that might look like, must always create a context that allows for another's vulnerability. And I think there's a, a beautiful hidden if we want to see change. Right. Growth. Right. Development. Healing. If we want that, we must always create that context. Be safe. People need to be open and embrace their vulnerability. This is only possible in a safe environment, not necessarily comfortable which the facilitator, leader, 
parent, coach, teacher, mentor, has most of the responsibility for creating. As facilitators or any of those roles, we must turn our judgments into evaluations. Judgments are made from a place of fear. Evaluations are made from a place of compassion. We must always create a context that allows for another's vulnerability. A deeper way. Foundational tenant number one.